0: welcome to The Law Spot, a podcast to highlight legal professionals and trending legal issues facing entrepreneurs and small business owners. I'm your host, Melissa Gray. Join me as we dive into life and law and spotlight businesses making waves in the space, professionals excelling in their careers, and fellow lawyers alike. Thanks for listening. Today on the show, we're excited to have Megan White, partner, IP, and patent attorney at Baker Botts here in Dallas, Texas. Uh, Megan was recently named as one of D Magazine's best lawyers under 40, and she's going to share her experience and advice for lawyers that are considering entering into the patent field as well as her experiences practicing law, uh, patent law in a big law firm. So hi, Megan, and welcome to the Law Spot
1: thanks so much for having me.
0: So uh, first, congrats on D Magazine, big honor, so well deserved. Um Thank you. we have a lot to cover, but I want to focus on sort of your path to the law, how you ultimately chose patent law, and then transition to to like what qualities young lawyers or aspiring law students may need to excel in patent law specifically, because you know it's a it's a big area. There's a lot of of innovation and change. And I feel like it takes a very special person to sort of excel in that field. So why don't you introduce yourself and tell us like what attracted you to law in general and then maybe uh, patent law specifically.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Melissa. Um, Well, so I guess like a lot of patent lawyers, I was an engineer in um, college Um, and decided that I didn't want to pursue that full time. And, um, I guess I should step back and say I'm from Dallas. I've grown up in Dallas my whole life. Um, and a fun fact about me is uh, my parents are not from Dallas. They're from California and St. Louis, and they moved here in the eighties, boom, to, uh, raise family and for my dad's job, which is relevant because he is also an attorney. So I kind of grew up with an attorney, a big law attorney, trial litigator, um, And as a kid, I was always like, oh, I don't want to do what my dad does. And I'd ask him all the time, dad, what do you do all day? And, you know, he would say, Megan, I solve problems. I was like, what is that? I'm like eight years old. I'm like, what does that even mean? Um, Because, you know, answering phones and writing writing memos. (laughs) Answering calls and writing memos is not like understandable to an eight-year-old either. So growing up, I never wanted to be an attorney. I was like actively against it. I was always good at math and science. So when I went to college, I was like, okay, I'm going to start in engineering. I can always transfer out. And I did engineering and and enjoyed it, um, but didn't didn't see a long-term career for me in engineering. I didn't love it. Uh, like the kids who use Legos as kids or like take apart their family's vacuum. So I was looking for another avenue and um, kind of law started to creep into my head. And so I was like, well, maybe. And so I eventually like, I had mentioned it to my parents at one point and they were like, yeah, like, very supportive, do whatever you want to do. But they're like, we think you'd be great at this. So after I had spent my whole life resisting, I was like, okay, maybe I'll look into it. So senior year, I took the LSAT, went to law school, um, had never heard of patent law, didn't know it was a thing. And then I go to law school as uh, an engineer um, and everyone's like, well, you're going to patent law, right? I was like, yeah, I've never heard of this. I don't know what it is. But as I started looking into it, I took a bunch of classes. I worked as a summer associate actually at Baker Botts, my current law firm. Got a good dose and was totally hooked. And I knew it was the perfect intersection for me of engineering and law.
0: Which uh, engineering avenue were you focused on?
1: So I did civil engineering in undergrad. And so that's bridges and highways and buildings, things that aren't supposed to move um, in theory. Uh, And so truthfully, it's not super relevant to the work I do today or the clients that I work with today. But a lot of patent lawyers have engineering backgrounds, so they're comfortable with technology. They're comfortable talking to the engineers at their clients, figuring out how their clients' products work, and then tra- being a translator to judge, jury, client, whoever the the other end is.
0: And today, and so Baker bots you summer associate there. Um, how to, and you've been there ever since. So you're like in the few of the few that really has never changed places that that's so rare to hear nowadays but um they must yeah so yeah I, what attracted I, you to say throughout all of that time and how did they like nurtured your growth and supported you through that as you've now become partner um i think that would be really valuable to hear about
1: yes so i worked um i knew i wanted to be in dallas and i knew i wanted to do patent law so that really narrowed it down for me very quickly in what law firms i wanted to pursue so i Worked at Baker Botts my 2L summer. Um, I actually clerked for a judge right after graduation. So I joined Baker Botts in 2013. But you get credit for your clerkship year in your, you know, being up for a partner in your tenure as what, what associate associate year you are. Um, but the reason I've stayed, I mean, I'm asked this all the time in interviews, particularly from law students. So it's a great question to ask if you're in law school and you're trying to figure out different law firms to see what people love about their law firm. But But for me, it's number one, it's the people. People that I work with are amazing. They are smart and kind and compassionate people who, you know, when I'm busy with life or when I'm busy with a bunch of work, you know, you have somebody on the team who will come say, hey, let me me take that off your plate. Or how are you doing? Do you have too much work? Do you have too little work? So number one, the people and just feeling supported. Um, But number two, the training. I mean, you have to look at a place that's going to make you a great lawyer. I hope to be at Baker Botts my whole career. I hope to be at this law firm and stay, and you know, take over the firm one day. But um, but you didn't. You never know when you start at a law firm. And so that's advice I give young law students or people pursuing law school: is choose a law firm that's going to make you a great lawyer because that makes you more marketable. No matter what path you want to take after you leave, potentially leave that law firm.
0: So <clears throat> you're so active you have been involved in you you too much. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure you told me at one point that you have such a hard time saying no, you end up doing so many things, which yes. served you well. And I'm sure you've had to say no a lot more in your in your months now that you have a, a young child. But um what was the organization, like if someone's gonna get involved on the bar side or elsewhere because you're also in junior league and other things, what has been the most beneficial for you in sort of Um, giving you a more well-rounded networking community and how does that, what does that look like for you?
1: So I think I would advise people to be, um, purposeful about what they're involved in. It's not useful to join 10 organizations and, you know, do a, be a poor member of all of them. It's much better to join one or two organizations and be very committed, um, so first of that, I, I think I did a poor job of that when I was a young associate. I just was always in all the clubs, and thought I had to do all the clubs, and that was that is not right. But eventually I narrowed it down and made a rule where, okay, I have two things outside of work that I'm committed to every year, and that's my maximum. And so um, I think whatever people are genuinely interested in, I mean, you can be involved in the bar. I did Dallas uh, Association of Young Lawyers, or DUIL, for a long time, and I loved knowing other lawyers in the community who understood what I was working on or going through, but I couldn't talk into detail about it. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm working for working on a motion for summary judgment or oh, I'm in the middle of discovery and opposing counsel is the worst. People get it, but, but they yeah. can't talk to you about your specific case. So I really enjoyed that. Um, I've also been very involved. You mentioned in the junior, uh, junior league of Dallas, and I've loved working with women. When I started at my law firm, we didn't have as many women in the patent group as we do now. And so I needed an outlet to kind of work with like-minded women who wanted to serve and better the community. And so those were some of the, the things that I really grasped onto and wanted to get more involved in and work on. But, but my advice, truthfully, is whatever people are very interested in, whatever energizes you outside of work, that can be anything from like a bar activity to like needlepoint, right? Or running or, you know, art. It's, it's anything that fills up your cup outside of work is my best advice.
0: Well, and and in that in that same vein, you know, patent attorneys, uh, you are a very outgoing patent attorney. Uh, <laughs> for, I've met quite a few. Maybe too much, <laughs> uh, but uh, do you think that you you are outgoing more so than some of like maybe your colleagues that are in this space? And like, what how what does that look like for you communicating with with? a lot of introverts and intellectuals as, as a more outgoing patent attorney, because you're, you're not boring. You're not
1: dry. (laughs) Thanks, Melissa. Um, No, you know, interestingly, um, it was, it was hard. Um, And and the people I work with are all amazing and yes, lean introverted. And and my clients, especially the engineers often lean introverted, but, um, but it's kind of, uh, tough sometimes to be a bubbly, positive, energetic woman lawyer. Um, and so when I started, I actually had a little bit of a, a complex of inferiority and feeling like I didn't belong because, you know, I was in meetings and as lawyers were, were focused on worst case scenario and how to prevent bad things from happening. And I didn't want to come across as a Pollyanna, right? Uh, it'll be fine. Right. Even though I'm generally very positive. And so, yeah. so truthfully, um, I sort of, I, it, it, I think it was my second year as an associate through the junior league of Dallas. I took a strengths finders test. And so, if people aren't familiar with strength finders, it has like 30 different strengths or attributes and it ranks them for you in order. And you really focus on your top five strengths. Um, and so, unsurprisingly, my number one strength was positivity. And the whole idea behind strengths finders is you lean into your strengths and you don't worry about your weaknesses, right? Sometimes you can like move things around, but for the most part, they're pretty set. And so I, I've changed my perspective and said, okay, it's, it's good. Like how many lawyers are positive, empathetic, harmonious, that are really good at communication and, you know, and want to maximize the situation. Those are my top five strengths. And so I saw it more of an asset in like team building and what I'm adding to the team than a detriment. And so it. And of course it's so obvious, right? Like we all have our own strengths and you all lean into your own strengths, but I needed that change in perspective um, to feel like I fit in. Uh, but now I see it. I mean, like you were mentioning as as a huge asset to be different than the people, people that I surround myself by.
0: And you mentioned that your, your patent group specifically had not a lot of women at the beginning. Um, have you, how has that dynamic changed in the you know, 12 years that you've, practicing now and how has i mean have you had any um say in the new hires and shaping that like sort of next generation of your group
1: yes um i mean when i started we had four women including including me and the other woman associate who was starting with me Mm -hmm. um so we doubled in size that year And, and you know there had been other women before it was just kind of um you know, that was the numbers at the time. And it was no, no fault of BakerBots. It was just, you know, a lot of women don't go into engineering. And then of engineers, a lot of women don't go to, of those, a lot of don't go to law school. And so, um, so it's been really fun to like build the group out and expand the group. And, and to BakerBots credit, they've had a real focus on diversity and inclusion the last 10 years that I've been here. So kind of the rise in that. And then also, you know. I got involved at the firm, right? I was involved in the employment committee. I was involved in recruiting. And, you know, I, I made it a point to hire more women, to hire people like me and to hire people not like me um, to, to help round out our group. But it just so happens that our numbers have gone up a lot in the last 10 years of women. And now I think our group is about a, a third or a quarter women, which in patent law is very rare and is, is a lot of the good feedback we get. And like, I used to have to be on every... In law school interview because I was like one of the only women in the firm was like we got to show that we have women at the firm and now like I don't have to be on any of them um so it's been a fun fun change and dynamic to not be the only woman in the room um and have that be very normal
0: awesome so being a bubbly personality your second year you find out like okay maybe you hit your stride and get a little more confidence that first five years like what advice beyond the play to your strengths would you give somebody in that initial phase of their career sort of that maybe is working to find their stride and and working with the partners directly as a young associate
1: so yeah i would i would two things come to mind one focus on your strengths right and you know you don't have to shy away from anything you're not already good at, right? The law, I mean, Melissa, you know, like we learn so much of our job on the job. Law school doesn't teach you how to be a patent attorney, how to be a trademark attorney. Um so so be curious is my first piece of advice. Of if you're worried about fitting in, about knowing the right answer, you're gonna be really stressed out all the time and you're never gonna feel like enough. But if you're curious, That's a much better positive mindset to be in. It's like, you know, if you ask the person you're working with, oh, I'm curious why we made that decision. Or um, I want to go dig into this technology and figure out how it works. It makes it a lot more fun and a lot less intimidating to come at it from curiosity than to come at it from fear. So that would be my first. The second is that you don't have to do everything. So I think sometimes associates get in, you know, In patent litigation, a lot of times we have a big team and we have a distribution list where we send an email to the big team. And so the partner will send an email to the whole team and say, hey, what do we think about this? And the associate feels the need to to respond immediately. And it's like, well is that the part of the case you're handling? You know, sometimes you copy all of the people on the team in case other people have different aspects. And so if you're on one patent and this kind of has to do with another part, don't feel like you have to be the end all be all for this case. That's why we have a team. That's why we split up responsibilities. Otherwise it would just be, you know, one or two people on a team. And and I see that so often from associates of just the, the overwhelm because of all the emails, but knowing that it's not your role to answer every single one or to dig in on every part of the case is really helpful. And you can ask for clarity, right? Like, is this something you want me to, happy to dig in? Curious if you want me to dig in on this or if someone else is better suited. Um, So, uh, you know, I have a soapbox of a lot of advice, but I'll I'll stop there with those two pieces for the first.
0: No, I think that's important. And, And the fear of asking questions because you don't want to sound stupid or you don't want to uh, piss somebody off. Like that's the question. Actually, I encourage the question because you're actually saving me time. Like mm-hmm. I view it that way. Now I didn't as a young sissy. And I was like, I'm not asking anything because, because that's, that's scary. Well,
1: that's such out. a good point. right? <laughs> we used to get hired by a client and I thought we had to know how their products worked. Like I was like, I can't ask questions because I'm supposed to know this already, which is objectively ridiculous. Like they have, stuff that's secretive and stuff that, like, isn't out in the public.
0: And they barely know how it works sometimes. Right. <laughs> so it's not – it's okay that, that you know, you have questions about it. But – and and yeah. asking your partner, like, the scope, the deliverable expectation, like, the, the timing, all of those things are actually really important because you don't want to um, under – you know, not meet expectations or – Go beyond what the expectation was and then over bill it's like this walking the, mm-hmm. the fine line of uh, but clarity is always uh that's a that's a really
1: good one so yeah get, list, i want to add yeah i just want to add one thing to that and and i give this advice to summer associates if i give a younger associate like a project and they have no questions i don't think they've taken an answer <laughs> yeah no so i always tell them i'm like ask at least one question or repeat back what you heard, right? Because um, if you just say it to a blank face, then I'm like, oh, I don't have any confidence that that person understands any of the stuff that I just said. So it's better to ask questions. And if you look at the most senior lawyer, you know, in a client meeting, 90% of the time that lawyer, if it's a good lawyer, is asking questions. Tons of questions. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's ridiculous that I thought I couldn't ask any questions because they're asking questions because it matters. We give advice. And so, like, if you're giving a friend advice, you don't just, like, she says, oh, I'm having a problem, you know, with a a classmate of mine. You don't just start talking advice. You say, oh, well, what's the issue? And did this happen? Did that happen? I mean, it's the same in the law, you know, and it's so silly that it took me so long to figure that out.
0: Well, great. Well, if we turn to more, like, you're established at Baker Botts a little bit five years, five to 10, like you're now, um, sort of more ingrained in the practice. Like how did you transition from, okay, baby associate that has is reporting directly to like being in a more, uh, independent role and then gearing up towards your, your partnership track.
1: Yeah. So I would say five to 10 years, um, I really started to take more of a leadership role on the team, um, kind of a spoken wheel aspect. I really you love ask
0: for it or did they just give it to you?
1: Ooh. Um, so it was one case where we pitched the case and it was sort of the expectation. Like the client was like, We expect her to run the show. And I was probably like a seventh year, sixth or seventh year. Um, and so I really just took that on and was like, okay i'm expected to run the show before that it had been a little of like the team is chaotic and i need some organization so let me be the organizer but it was sort of managing up like i was sort of like okay let me be the person who's you know taking the notes and getting hurting the cats is what i always say like getting yeah. the stuff like from different people um and I, and I was happy to do that role because I love that stuff. Not everybody loves that and not everyone should do, should do that role. And, and sometimes I raise my hand too much for that. But, um, but I would say that was kind of the natural transition for me of sort of being the person who came up with the strategy, who talked to the client, who delegated more, which is still very hard for me. But um, And then also teaching, right? Like that's a really fun part for me, the mentoring and the teaching of young associates and setting them up for success and, and training them to be wonderful lawyers. I mean, that's a lot of the fun for me too. So in the five to 10 years, it was more interaction with the client, more strategy focused and more, you know, organizing of the team, I would say. So have you
0: found yourself, I mean, you, your work is very, uh, intellectual, meticulous. Do you find yourself ever, getting bored with what you're doing and, and wanting to stray outside the patent space or are you able to find enough diversity in, in order to keep you curious and, you know, those buttons like checks.
1: Yeah. So, so the nice thing, like 80% of what I do is patent litigation. So okay. either my client, my client or someone else owns a patent or several and sues another company for it. So often I do defense work, but I do plenty of plaintiffs' work too. Um, so the nice thing about that is, every case the technology is usually different. So the framework of patent law is the same. Patent litigation is the same. You know, you get sued, you do claim construction, you figure out what the patent means, and particularly the claims. You know, summary judgment, trial, etc. So the framework is similar, and strategies are similar, but the technology is different and the patents are different and the parties are different and so i get enough structure from the similarity and difference from the other external factors that it, it keeps it exciting for me um so that's within patent litigation which is 80 percent of what i do i also have a, a little bit of prosecution that i do too and so prosecution is is poorly named but it's it's uh prosecuting a patent is filing writing and filing a patent and sending it to the u.s patent office and then you go back and forth and and correspond back and forth until a patent is issued. And so that's a really fun part because I'm working with my client on the front end. So they have this great idea. Is it worth patenting? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about this idea. Let's talk about what else it could do. Let's talk about your portfolio. So kind of strategy on the front end is really fun too. So because I have a mix that makes it generally more interesting as well. Um, So, but I don't know, I haven't gotten any itch to go outside yet. Maybe in 10 years, I'll be, a, you know, criminal attorney. <laughs>
0: oh, man. Well, um, you also, so no change on that front, but you did recently have a baby. So congratulations. I did. I mean, not Thank that you. recently. He's like, what, seven months now?
1: Yeah, he's um, getting older every day. Oh, no, you're,
0: you're about to be mobile, so the game will change.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
0: um, how did BakerBot support you on your maternity leave? Like, how, how have you found the transition back um, to to being... Full time and you know still being in the on the the partnership um in the in the partnership uh with yeah. how's that been for you
1: yeah i felt super supported um i uh so it was a partnership was announced february of 2022 so last year and I was already pregnant, but only like three or four months pregnant. So nobody knew. So I was very nervous yeah. about them saying, hey, you made partner. And maybe, hey, I'm, I'm pregnant. I'm going to take off some time this summer. Literally, everyone was so supportive. You know, I going in was like, oh, should I take off less time? Like, should I have a shorter leave? Should I, you know, work during it? And everyone was very like, don't do that. Take your time. Enjoy this time. You know, um, I was like, just call me if you need... They were like, we're not going to call you. You know, like what what I needed to hear because I'm my own worst critic. And so it was like, oh, it's going to look terrible if I take this time off. Nobody cared. Actually, one of the partners I work with, I kind of did like a summary document of portions of a case I was working on to turn over to someone to handle while I was out. the partner was like, you know, I think we should have somebody have a kid on every case we're on so that we have this moment where we just like sit down, summarize, strategize, and like, think about where we are in the case. He was like, I think we should do it. And, you know, I don't know if he was being serious, but it made me feel a whole lot better uh, to just be like, okay, maybe this is a, this is a positive. Um, and so it, it was really, really nice to go out on leave and to just feel like my team had my back, everything was taken care of. And when I came back, I was still part of the team. It wasn't, other people took over. or Whatever, there was still a role for me, and it's uh, still an active, active part of that team and in all the other the other teams I've been on. I mean, four months is is what I took off, and it feels like a lot. Um, but in the grand scheme of a case, or in the grand scheme of a career, it's really a blip on the radar. <laughs>
0: so, nothing. I know. Well, I've no. taken I've taken three, so uh, yes. and I wouldn't trade it for <laughs> trade it for anything. And, and honestly. Yeah. You go through so much emotionally and physically like you need that time. I can't imagine um, trying to interweave that with cases that stressful as some of the ones that attorneys deal with while you're while you're going through that. So I'm glad to hear that, that they were you know supporting you. What have you found to be like the most challenging on the other side, now that you're like balancing it all or trying, you know, we do our best, but how have you navigated uh, parenthood since you've um, gone back to work and how are you finding like that work-life balance that everyone strives for that doesn't exist?
1: So it's especially difficult for me because I want to do all the things and I have typically done all the things. And so it's just me being a lot more mindful like one of my resolutions this year is to be home during the week, to be home for bedtime minimum of two nights a week. And so that in itself has been like, okay, I have this meeting I could go to after work. I could work late this night. Am I going to meet my two nights a week threshold? Like it helps me just say no a little bit easier. And most of the time I'm home for bedtime more than two nights a week. It just helps me on those busier weeks kind of put frame of mind of knowing committed to this. And, and truthfully, I have the most supportive husband in the world. Um, he loves being a dad. He loves our son. He's super supportive of my career and he's more than happy to do it. You know, I, I do kind of the morning before before we have help and then Tim does the evening afternoon. And so I can kind of make plans as I need to for work events life after work, that sort of thing. Um, so it's definitely an exercise in saying no more and just figuring out what what I want to spend my time on. Could I work late every night? Absolutely. Like, I have plenty of things to do. Could I go to bar activities every night or, you know, junior league activities or go out with friends? Like, sure, absolutely. But if, for me, it's just kind of, okay, what do I want my time to look like? And, and you know, he's only little for a little bit. And so I want to make sure I'm captured, like, you know, loving this little, little baby while he's still a baby.
0: Got to do it. Got to do it. I know. Well, I'm so so happy for you. I want to be respectful of your time, but um, as we close, I think I want to ask you just your number one takeaway for someone that's considering patent law and like visualize like an aspiring law Lawyer or law student, and give them like your top piece of advice for being successful in your field.
1: So there are a couple of different ways I could go here. So I'm trying to figure out the way I want to. You go. do I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> <laughs> but top piece of advice is I would say, think of your career in the long term. Um, I have so many law students I talk to who feel like their job right out of law school have to be their forever job and that is so not true I've been out of law school for over 10 years now or yeah over 10 years and so many of my friends have had many different jobs well, and, and you're
0: the exception not the rule. I know like you are it's a great like it's, it's so
1: loyal to a fault it's, it's,
0: you've you stayed so long but like you are not the average uh career path
1: but i would just say yeah think of it as long term like you don't have to know what you want to do with your whole career your first year of law school there are people who come out and do do one type of law and then switch and switch around and i would just say like your career is long and so find something you really love and that you want to do and not going to love it every day all day but if you love it you know more days than not, then you're doing okay. And so think of your career in the long term and don't put so much pressure on yourself to figure out what you're going to be right away would be my biggest takeaway. I love that.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Um, give our best to the baby and uh, thank you again for joining and we'll see everybody next time.
1: Sounds good. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you
0: for tuning in to The Lost Spot. If you enjoyed the podcast, show some love with a five-star review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And be sure to follow along on social for updates on the latest episodes and the lost.